fantastic names, and they would make bold claims, right? Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. You had all these people that, right, the tail of the tape, the day before, a couple days before the fight, they would get up there, they'd make their bold predictions, and then one of the two guys, right, at least they had a 50-50% chance of being right, um, would follow up on their claims, And so these bold predictions, and then how do you back that up? And all these guys, smoking Joe Fraser. But my favorite, how could it not be? Muhammad Ali. There we go. Amen. It's about time I got it. It took me seeing Muhammad Ali in five years to get an amen. I appreciate that. Muhammad Ali will make it into every sermon I preach from now until the day I retire. Um, But, but... You know, I think about that, and I go back and I watch some of his stuff. Now, as a kid in the 70s, I wasn't aware of rap. I wasn't aware of the spoken word. Um, I was aware when he said it. I just didn't know how to category. I don't know if he's the godfather of both of those things. He could make a claim, but he was. He made bold claims. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm the greatest. Right, him and Cosell doing these interviews, and then he would get up there, whether it was a rumble in the jungle or the thrill in Manila or wherever it was. For the most part, he backed up his claims. So I'm going to do this, even when it was rope a dope. Right, he looked like oh he's getting, you know, his head knocked about, and then he just waited and it's just boom, and you're done. Like I told you, give me the money, let's go celebrate. Right, the greatest. And I thought about that this week. The bold claims of Jesus, I am. I am. To make that claim that I am and then fill in the blank, and if you don't deliver, really? Thought you were something. Right? Then into the 80s, there was a guy by the name of Iron Mike Tyson. Like, that guy was scary. Like, if you lasted a minute, two minutes, three minutes in the round, in the ring with him, until, until he met Evander Holyfield. And then he bit off more than he could chew. There you see, ah, I was, oh, thank you for both the laughter and the groan. I was wondering, like, is anybody going to get that? Come on, Iron Mike Tyson. Uh, I should just close in prayer right now, right? But (laughs) he ran into the real deal. When you run into the real deal, holy field, when you run into Jesus, the real deal, the holy I am, that's a different story. And that's what's happening here. That we continue in the conversation we looked at starting last week. It's the same conversation. And now he's mixing two different things. He said, I am the gate, which is the one way leading. And now he says, I am the good shepherd. He makes this bold claim, I am the good shepherd. And when he says good, he's not talking so much qualitative, like good versus bad, or on a scale of one to ten, or I got to, you know, that word good there literally means beautiful or attractive. He says, I am the attractive, I am the beautiful shepherd, and not by how I look, but by what I do. But what I do is so attractive, how can you not 
come after me. And so he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he makes his claim. I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. He says that five times in the context we're going to look at. And he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life. And I don't know about you, but as I hear, I am the good shepherd, there may be other things I'm waiting for for him to fulfill other than lay down your life. I am the good shepherd who protects you. I'm the good shepherd who provides for you. I'm the good shepherd who stays with you. I'm the good shepherd who encourages you, who challenges you, who whatever that is, all would be true. But the one thing that obviously must have been the most important thing for him to get across is, I am the good shepherd and I will die for you. I'm the good shepherd. And obviously the Jews that heard this, they knew the background. They knew Psalm 23 as well. They also knew Psalm 80, Ezekiel 34, Isaiah 40. See, all of Israel in their history, a great metaphor for them was the shepherd and the sheep. So for him to come out and say, I am the good shepherd, that they knew. They knew. But wait a minute. There is one shepherd. And that's God. So I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. What does that mean? It's a selfless act of love. But God so demonstrated his own love toward us that in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. It was sacrificial. Paul says... He made him, God made him, the son who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so he lays down his life as a sacrifice. And it was successful because it accomplished what he sought to achieve. Five times in these short number of verses, he will reiterate I am the good shepherd, and the number one thing I can do for you is to lay down my life because others won't and you cannot. And so he goes on. Peter actually would remind us of this in his writings, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For we were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Peter knew the good shepherd. He also knew the stories of the good shepherd. And here he comes with Old Testament fulfillment about Jesus doing what Jesus said he would do. Back in John, he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. It's like to make a bold prediction and then get in the ring against Iron Mike and be like, I don't think so. (laughs) And you walk away, right? They made bold predictions. 
They made statements, but the hired hand, when it was time and the bell rang to start, they split. But Jesus, Jesus stays. There's the self-centeredness of the hired hand versus the sacrificial love of the owner. There's the people who are just keen on the payment. And then there's the Christ who's focused on the people. That in the midst of the greatest predator of humanity, sin and the devil, Jesus the good shepherd stands and delivers while others fall short and powerless to fulfill all the claims. And I was thinking about that this morning in my, in my quiet time in the, in the drive up here. Um, I thought about that in the terms of boxing, right? And match, matches metaphor. That obviously when Jesus was in the desert 40 days and he was being tempted by Satan, he won that. When he was coming to the cross... He won that. It looked like he had been knocked down, but when Sunday came around and there was, he got up for the eight count and he showed the enemy. And then we know in the future, the final bout. We already know who wins. Because Jesus is faithful to deliver. He's faithful in the past, he's faithful today, and he's faithful in the future. He is the great I am. He is the shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And so he reiterates that. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And we talked about that last week. That that in Jesus and following after Jesus, it's driven by relationship. It was really spoken to last week in the scripture you looked at in the voice. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. They won't follow the stranger. They'll follow me. And he's reiterating that. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That it's relational. And that following Jesus as the good shepherd is built on knowing who the shepherd is. Not simply knowing about him, but knowing him. It's not about facts. It's about familiarity and faith. Certainly facts breed into it, but not everybody who factually knows of Jesus faithfully follows him. And again, this idea, uh, he says, I am the good shepherd. It wasn't his beauty. Right? Isaiah tells us that, that we esteemed him not. Like he didn't, he wasn't all that good looking, right? David was good looking. So we're told. Jesus, eh. But what he did was more beautiful than anybody has ever done anything. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So in contrast to the hired hand, Jesus lays down his life in connection to the father. In contrast to the guys who will run away in connection to the one who Jesus is intimately known eternally. He lays down his life because it's built on relationship. And they both share the same heart, the same mind, the same drive, the same passion, and the same purpose of why Jesus came. 
He says, just as the Father knows me and I know him, I lay down my life as the good shepherd. He goes on to say this in the midst of this. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That In the midst of him making the claim that I am the good shepherd, I am the true shepherd of Israel, he reminds them, wait a minute, not just Israel, not just the Jews, but also I am the good shepherd of the Gentiles. I have sheep of other places that we must go and gather into one flock, one body, one people. He says, I must go and they will listen to my voice. The missional movement of God, he pauses in his claim to say, oh, and by the way, I'm just not the greatest in all of Israel. I'm the greatest in the whole world. I'll lay down my life. Would have been interesting to hear Muhammad Ali preach this. For some reason in my mind, I just have his, his voice in my mind. But how powerful, how powerful these claims. And he stops enough because the heart of God is for the world and for the people of the world. And he says, and there are other sheep. That's why we have such a strong call for missional here at Cedars, because this is what he's saying. There are still sheep that are not yet in the pen that we must, we must reach because they're still harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see them every week. You live with them. You live next door with them. You work with them. You study with them. You go to school with them. You get cashed out at the register with them. You might argue with them. Just right, heated conversations. But there are others. I think that's why the shepherd is still, as Peter would say, he's not slow in keeping his promise. Right? The tale of tape is I'm gonna win this fight, but wait, before the final battle, I worry on pause because it's the day of salvation. Because I want as big a posse as possible. They're sheep of other flock, and they will hear my voice. So the reason the Father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. And Jesus' sacrificial death does not earn the love of the Father. It's an expression of the love of the Father. Jesus and God have loved each other beyond our comprehension forever past and forever future. What he's saying here is this isn't me earning the love of my Father. This is me expressing the love of my Father, that I lay down my life for you because you cannot make the payment. And then he, he follows that up. Not only am I going to lay down my life, but I'm going to take it back up again. Right, here's this picture here, and actually the book of John, from here on out, after this chapter, we'll go on and we'll deal with this for the rest of the book. It's the laying down and preparing of laying down the life of the Lamb of of God to pick it back up again. It's the, the Good Friday and it's the Resurrection Sunday right here. And it's born out of love. And this claim, I love this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. 
I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to pick it back up. And this command I receive, I have from my father. His death wasn't a tragedy. His death wasn't a, oh no, the plan's broken. It was exactly the plan. They had all authority and nothing happened until he said, go ahead. And then when maybe they thought, huh, we finally got rid of him, then there's stories on that Sunday morning. Like, what? He's risen? People are seeing him? Go get the guards. So I have the authority. And the good shepherd lays down his life out of love, based on his authority, showing obedience to the Father, and for an eternal purpose. Says, I lay down my life only to pick back up again. I'm the good shepherd. And it's funny, right? People make their claims. They prove it, supposedly or not. And we see this still today. People are divided. Happened there. The Jews who heard these things were again greatly divided. Right? They saw, they've heard, and now they're discussing amongst themselves. Like, like it, this was a knockout and they still are treating it like this could be, you know, the word I'm not thinking of. It, it could be a split decision. Right? In the boxing metaphor. Like, this could go down to, like, two or three judges. Like, which way is it going to go? No, it's a clear knockout. But they're divided. Many of them said, oh, he's demon-possessed. He's raving mad. Why should we listen to him? But others. (laughs) Others. Others said, wait a minute. These aren't the sayings of a crazy man. Of a demon-possessed man. And then they end it with a question. Can a a demon open the eyes of the blind? Which is what we just looked at over the last couple weeks. And so while the decision is clear and definite, still the heart of people, for whatever reason, are going to remain divided. Even as clear of of testimony and evidence that we think is there... Much like in life, people will see things and they'll be divided on even what they saw. He's crazy. No, he's the good shepherd. This guy's a lunatic. No, he's the Lord. No, this guy's a wannabe. No, he is the champion of the world. He's the good shepherd. It's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep to pay for sins they couldn't pay for and then to take it back up and give the promise of new life for all who believe in him. The clear definitive KO in the first round. And then he waits to celebrate because there are sheep They're not yet in the pen. But they must come and they will listen to my voice. And then he ascends to heaven. Well, how are they going to listen to your voice if you're up there, whatever that means? But he comes back to his sheep, his posse, his followers, and said, Hey, you saw, you've received, now go. 
It's that last song we sang. It's the struggle I think we have in our hearts. Here I am, send me. It's enough of a step, I think, just to realize, here I am. (laughs) I want to go, but I'm scared. To all the way to the end of here I am, I'm scared, um, and I'm going to go and see what happens. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life. It's effectual in what it did, and it should be encouraging in what it continues to do until he comes back. And then he says, and you, will you go on my behalf, whether it's to Milpitas or to Mexico, whatever M country is far out there that I can't think of at the moment, and go. Because the hired hand can't do what the good shepherd has already done. Father, thank you that you saw fit that we could even hear this. God, I trust that many here and online have responded and are followers of Jesus. And I know, just looking in this room, I know. But right in the middle of your claims that you backed up and you did stands this this offer stands this reminder that there are other sheep. There are other sheep that haven't heard yet. Other sheep that haven't seen yet. There's other sheep that are still divided. Other sheep that haven't said yes yet. And sadly, there are sheep that will say no. But you hope that through your people based on what you've done in the laying down and taking up of your life that your people, your flock, would carry your message to those who are still devastated and broken and don't have hope, haven't heard the good news, and need to. So, Lord, we trust you. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to be moving in us that we would put down whatever excuse it is and go. And I thank you for the testimony of my brother Al who, who saw same images that I'm sure we saw. Wasn't thinking about going, but you, you, you reminded him a second time. You tugged on his heart. God, that our hearts would be aligned. Reminded by Isaiah that said, here I am, Lord, send me. God, knowing that there's still many of us who and I can understand that, identify with Moses in the original I am conversation and we can make excellent excuses. But you still call, you still encourage, you still equip, and you're still with. God, send us Cedars Church. I thank you. You are the champion of the world. You are the beautiful shepherd. And I thank you that you backed up your claims. You always have and you always will. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as you're going, if you didn't have a chance to um, bring forth,